You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we're moving on in this share series. We're in part five, and I want to start out with a question. How many of you know that we're all born with a gauge, kind of a, a, let's call it a a gauge in our heart that is a moral compass? How many of you know that we're born with a gauge in our hearts and in our lives that's a moral compass? In other words, we kind of know as a child what's right and what's wrong. It doesn't mean that we do everything that's right when we're children, but we kind of know what's right and what is wrong. In other words, when you're five years old, you, 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 you kind of have the idea that you don't want to punch your neighbor, your other five-year-old neighbor, in the face because it's not right, and you don't want someone else to come and punch you in the face or in the chest or whatever it may be. There's just something in us that tells us something's right and something's wrong. And that is our conscience. Anyone know that we all, everybody has a conscience? In fact, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about how every person has an innate ability to say, this is right and this is wrong. In, in, in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this. When outsiders, that means people that are outside of the faith, when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without. In other words, it's telling us there's something within that tells us there's right or wrong. And so the law of God is spoken to us or written to us to to give us that direction. But even when you don't have the commandment or you don't have the law or the rules, There is something in us that tells us there's right and wrong. It says, but it's woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. And so what the Bible is telling us that even when we don't know God, we all have an innate instinct of what is right and what is wrong. And that's our conscience. But most people, we find out that our conscience can go numb. Or our conscience can be severed through events in our life. And then wrong can become right. Right? We do the things that we don't want to do. And we begin to find out. So I want us to grab a hold of that fact to where we're going in this this series. I want us to find that it's important to know that our conscience does not bring us to faith in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit does. Today we're going to find out the difference between your conscience and the Holy Spirit. Your conscience tells you there's a right and there's a wrong, but your conscience will not bring you to God, but the Holy Spirit will go deep down into our hearts and tell us we need a Savior. The message that I'm going to be sharing today is going to be share God's piercing. 
And you're thinking, well, pastor, I have a couple piercings here, and I got a piercing up here. I'm going to share that. No, we're going to, we're going to see what it means. It means when, when God pierces our hearts. And any of you that have been walking with God, you felt a, a, a something inside. Kind of your heart has been spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it stimulates, he stimulates a yearning or a longing to have a relationship with God. That's what we're going to be looking at. As the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples, they found that they did not have to guilt people into faith in God. The Holy Spirit was going to work in the heart of every listener to draw people to Jesus. And it helps us to understand that we don't have to guilt people into the kingdom of God. We share, hear me, hear me there. We share the goodness of God with them and we trust the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts and to draw them to Jesus. How many of us have tried to guilt people into doing right or wrong? Anyone? How many of you have children? (laughs) We're notorious for that. But God doesn't call us to guilt people. God calls us to love people. In fact, probably the greatest uh, verse in the Bible comes with another verse. How many of you know John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if anyone will believe in, in him... They will not perish, but they'll have what? Eternal life, everlasting life. But it doesn't end there. And this is Jesus' words. And Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to, say that with me, to what? To condemn. But he sent his son into the world to save the world through him. That's incredible. God did not send his son into the world to condemn. In fact, Jesus took our condemnation upon himself on the cross. He took everything. He took our shame. He took our, 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 our guilt, our, 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 uh, our worthlessness, all unrighteousness. He took all of that upon himself on the cross. And he bore it upon him so that we could have freedom and we could have a guiltless life. And so knowing this, it will, it will take us away or deter us from condemning people. And instead of condemning people, we share the love of Christ with them. And that's what I want us to hold on to today. We're going to find out that, that, that Peter's going to preach a sermon. And in that sermon, that many people are going to be touched. And it's not that Peter spoke these elegant words. It was that Peter spoke through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And what we need in this, in, this, in this society, in this generation, in our families, we need the, 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 the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of people and to draw them to the love of God. To the love of God. So we're going to look at four ways today, four ways that the Holy Spirit uses loving conviction to restore our lives and our hearts. Let's kind of just rewind a little bit and let's think about who Peter was because Peter's going to preach a sermon right now. Who was Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter said, I'll never ever deny you. So he was very, uh, maybe in his mind, 
a little bit arrogant. He said, I'll never deny you. Everyone else, we'll, everyone may run away from you, but I'll stand with you. And he ended up denying him, okay? And then he, he comes to this place where the Lord restores him. And when he is restored by Jesus, he turns into a power, powerful uh, uh, voice for the gospel. But the reason that he had power was because of Acts 1.8. When Jesus told the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, each of you is going to receive power and you are going to be my witnesses. Okay, so that's what I want us to grab a hold of. The power that we have to be a witness or a testimony for Jesus Christ is not our power, it's a power of the Holy Spirit. And as we set out for this, this Easter season, as we invite people, and how many of us want people to come to faith in Christ? I think all of us should, right? We should want people to come to faith in Christ because he is the eternal answer. And as we do that, we cannot trust in our own words and in our own power. We have to trust in the power of the living God. Okay? <clears throat> We're going to go right now to Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 36. And I'm going to pray a blessing over the word right now. And then we're going to look at four ways, and we're going to look at the first way that, that the Holy Spirit will, will work in, in the lives of people. Let me pray. Father, thank you for every person in this first service, everyone that is sitting here is very special to you. And so I just pray that your blessing will be upon every word that is spoken. Lord, I am just your messenger, and I pray, Lord, for the empowerment that comes through your spirit. Uh, to bring clarity and, and uh, a very understandable message so that as we leave here today, everyone will say, man, I, I really believe God spoke to my heart. And, and if that happens, I know that Jesus will be glorified. So we pray for that. Uh, pray for just for you to move mightily. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. So... Peter begins to preach this message, and, and, and actually, I'm looking at the end of his message. So your homework will be to go read Acts chapter 2. I'm going to the end of the chapter because I want to deal with some of the, the words that he spoke at the very end of his message. And Peter said this, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now, let's look at it through the lens of a, a, a kind of a rewind. Acts 1.8, when, when, when Jesus spoke to the disciples, I just mentioned that verse. He said, don't worry about what the, foster, the Father has planned for, for Israel. Because they said, are you going to restore Israel to us at this time? Remember that? Anyone remember that? Don't worry about that. He said, but what I want you to be concerned about is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. To be my witnesses. Now, Peter had denied the Lord three times. Now we look at the end of his sermon, and he says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. So you see this taking place. You see that, that, that they begin to move in that, in that truth. <clears throat> and then he goes on, he says, Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised 
gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us now. Now, I'm hoping that those of you that have been in this series for the first five, four parts, you're seeing that we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how we can witness for the Holy Spirit. He's mentioning everything that we have talked about in his last part of his message. We're all witnesses of this. We spent 40 days with him when he was raised from the dead. We saw that he's alive. And what you're seeing is the promise that comes from the Father. <clears throat> Just as you see and hear today, and then verse 34, and David himself, as he says, for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. And he's talking about the, the, that the King David, the king of Israel, had prophesied and used this very text in the Psalms. And now Jesus is saying, it's not David that ascended. David's tomb is right there. He was talking about this Jesus, that who you see and who you crucified, and now the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us, and that is exactly what you're experiencing here today. So he goes on, he says, he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. Don't you love the way it says that? Until I humble your enemies. How many of you want our enemies to be humbled? You know, God does that. And he goes on to say, so let everyone, um, making them a footstool under your feet, so let everyone in Israel know for certain, and I love that, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now remember, he denied him 40 days prior. Now he's saying to the Jews, he's saying, whom you crucified. He has boldness. He's standing. He's saying, we are his witnesses. We know that he's alive. Whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. So let's look at the first way that the Holy Spirit will convict or pierce our hearts is he confirms that God is real and Jesus is alive. There are a lot of religions, thousands, thousands of religions, and there's multiple exponential types of gods. And many people follow different ways to God. But Peter said something that is so important to us as followers of Christ. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. In other words, Peter was standing his ground and he's saying, I denied him at one time, but now I'm standing because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. I spent 40 days with him and I know that what I'm saying is true. And you have to settle that in your life so that you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only do you need to settle that, the Holy Spirit will continually confirm that God is real and that Jesus is alive. We don't serve a dead Savior. We, say, we serve a Savior who is alive and well and who will work in every area of our lives every single day of the week. He says, now this Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, and he is at God's right 
hand. Notice that Peter was convinced that this message that he was sharing was true. The Holy Spirit was constantly reminding Peter of what we read in Acts 1-3. Acts 1-3 says, To these, the first disciples, he presented himself alive, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And I, beloved, I just want for you guys to grab a hold of this because when you're walking in the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit, when you're walking in the power of the truth of God and his word, you have to know that Jesus is alive. You've got to grab a hold of that fact because anything else is just religion. It's wishful thinking. We don't serve a God of wishful thinking. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a Savior who conquered death. The Holy Spirit was going to continually confirm this truth. God is real. Jesus is alive. And the message that they would share would change the world. I'm going to say that again. God is real. Jesus is alive, and the message that we share will change your life forever. The reason for that is because God is real, and because Jesus is alive. Later on, later on, so this, this is Peter's first message that, I'm, that, I, that, I'm, that I started with. Later on, Peter would write a letter to the churches. Okay, so let's, let's put that in our perspective. He wrote a letter to the churches, so who are we? We're a part of the church, right? The church is not a building, the church is what? People. It's changed lives. So Peter wrote this, check this out. You love him, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. People, now let me just kind of pause right there. People trust in Jesus because the Holy Spirit has made him real to us. He lives in us and he walks with us and he walk, works through us in good times and in bad times. Amen? He goes on and he says this. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. He's, now, he, Peter's talking to the church in, at that time, but he's also talking to the church of today. He's saying the prophets of old, they wanted to experience everything that you're experiencing. The prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of these individuals, they wanted to experience what you're experiencing. They wondered what time or situation. Now, hear this. The spirit of Christ within them was talking about. So when they prophesied, when, they, when Jeremiah prophesied, he was prophesying through the spirit of God. And now Peter says that was the spirit of Christ. They were wondering. They were wondering. You have this glorious experience. They were wondering about that. Within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great 
glory afterwards. See, the suffering was not the end of the story. He went to the cross. We talked about the passion, that he had great passion. He died. The suffering was not the end of the story. He was going to be glorified in that suffering because he would conquer the grave and rise from the dead. That's huge. It's amazing that the Bible reveals that before Christ had his earthly ministry, he was dwelling in the Old Testament prophets through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was assuring them that they were on the right path and their message was true because what God, the Spirit, will do in you is he will confirm that you're on the right path and that the God you're serving is real. And until that happens in your life, you're going to waver in your faith. Until you understand that God is real and that Jesus is alive, it's very easy to waver in our faith. The second way the Holy Spirit brings loving conviction is he reaches the deepest part of our hearts. Peter kept on preaching that first sermon. And the Bible says in verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. The difference between man's condemnation and the Holy Spirit's conviction is this. Man's way will usually produce denial or avoidance. Have you ever said to someone, or maybe someone has said to you, you're living a life of denial? Has, has anyone told you, or, or you said to someone that you love, you know what, you need to change your life. You're living a life of denial. You are in denial. And no, I'm not. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. And, the, and they're feeling condemned because they're saying, yeah, well, you do have a problem. You don't pick up your clothes. They're right there on the floor. No, 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 I don't have a problem. I want them there. Or you have a drinking problem, or you have a, you know, a, a, a whatever it may be. You got this problem. No, 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 I, I don't have a problem. I don't, I don't drink that much. I stop after nine. You know, but there, and you say, you know, you're living in denial. You're living in, see the difference between man's condemnation, because we're saying, you know what, you're, you're condemned. You're doing wrong. You're, you should be doing it. You lie all the time. You lie. No, I don't lie all the time. I, I maybe exaggerate the truth, but I'm not lying. I just make my story sound better. And so you say, you're living in denial. Or maybe you know someone who needs to confront something in their life, but they live in constant avoidance. They avoid. They move. They move from job to job because they don't confront that maybe they have a problem in their, in their work, and so they avoid it. They'll go to another place until someone really tells them, hey, you, you're, you're dealing with this. They hear the same thing everywhere they go, but they're living in avoidance. But the difference between us trying to do that with people is that the Holy Spirit goes beyond the surface and goes deep down into the heart. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of a man and a woman, and he goes right to the heart with the light of truth. Peter didn't pierce the hearts of those people that were listening to him. It was the message that he shared in the conviction of the Spirit of God that reached the inner part of these men. 
anyone in here that, that, that's given your life to Jesus, it was the right time. It was the right place. In fact, there's someone here today that God is speaking to, into your heart, into your life. And, and, and we know that, that God does it in such loving conviction. He shows us who we are outside of him, but he gives us a solution. He says, I'm here to love you and to change your life forever because God is real and Jesus is alive. You can tell the difference. Jesus had told this to his disciples. This is before he went to the cross. He said, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, who's the Holy Spirit, he won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you. Now, now, now this will help you to, to grab a hold of who the Holy Spirit is, okay? He says, if I go away, it's very, it's very advantageous for you. Because if, if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will, will come. And when he comes, verse 8, he will convict. He will convict the world of sin. And of God's righteousness. Now process that with me. He will convict. He, now let's just look at that through John 3.16. For God so loved the world, okay? For God so hated the world... That he wanted to crush you. No. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son so that you will not what? Perish but have everlasting life. God did not send the, his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. Now when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts us and he says, you have a problem but I have a solution. You have a problem but I have a solution. Now, now, the difference between the Holy Spirit and us is that we say, you have a problem. You're all messed up, and you need to change that. The, the, here's the problem that, 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 we, that we deal with is that we can't change people. See, my wife can't change me. She's tried for 30 years. <laughs> I can't change her. But I'm not supposed to. God is. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest moments in our, in our walk, Shauna and I, was one day we were hear, hearing a message, and, and I tapped her, and I said, hey, I think the Lord's speaking to you. Don't ever do that, by the way. <laughs> maybe, maybe a word of wisdom. Word, don't, ever, don't ever tell your spouse, I think the Lord's speaking to you. She looked at me, and she said, you are not the Holy Spirit. And it tells us right there, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, here's the deal. The coming judgment, when the Holy Spirit works, see, we say you're going to go to hell. That's what we do, right? In our flesh. Some of you are looking at me like, I never said that before. Some of us maybe not, don't say it, but we wish it or we, or we think it. You know, Lord, my, my neighbor or that coworker, they should just go to hell. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Right? He said there's going to be a judgment, but that judgment is going to be very, very righteous and very right. And the judgment already fell on Jesus if someone will just accept his salvation. Amen? The Holy Spirit does it a lot different than we do. The Holy Spirit can reach the inner part of our secret lives. I love this. I, the Lord gave me this. He can look into the, 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 the secret part the inner part of our secret lives, and then the Holy Spirit will turn 
the light on. That ever happened in your life? Where he comes deep down into the inner part and he turns the light on and you're like, oh, 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 and you can't deny it? And you can't do avoidance. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to move from place. The Holy Spirit says it's time to deal with it now because I want to set you free in the name of Jesus. The third way the Holy Spirit brings loving conviction is the Holy Spirit will call us to action. Notice that right before that, it said that they, they were pierced, the, the words of Peter pierced them to the heart, to the very most deepest part. And then the next, next phrase, it's the, 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 the people said, brothers, what should we do? And I love it because they're not just focusing on Peter. They're, they're, they're focusing on the apostles. They're fo- focusing on the disciples. They say, brothers, what should we do? You see, the Holy Spirit was working through the words of Peter and called the listeners to action. They said, brothers, what shall we do? As you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to speak about the real God and who has real love for people and a real Savior who died to give them life, people will be convicted to say, what shall we do? There's people in our lives that are going to see a real God who's guiding us and a Jesus who is alive, and they're going to ask you, what shall we do? The people in our circle of influence, when you understand that God is real and that Jesus is alive, and that the message that you have will change their life, the people that are around you, you need to know that God has placed them there so that they could find Jesus. And they're going to ask you, what shall we do? Another disciple, his name was Philip. He went to Samaria. God led him. He spoke. Multitudes came to faith in Jesus. Multitudes. And then the Holy Spirit, if you read Acts chapter 8, you'll see that Philip was led there by the Holy Spirit. And then when he had multitudes come, the Holy Spirit said to him, now I want you to go to this one person. I want you to go. And there's a eunuch. A eunuch was a, was a person who had been... Uh, set apart for the work of something. Uh, for He was actually the, the highest official under Candace, the queen. And so he, the Holy Spirit leads him to this eunuch, and he begins to speak and share about Jesus. And at the end of his conversation, Philip told him the good news. This is what the Bible says, Acts 8, 35 to 38. Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Don't you love that? Philip told him the good news about Jesus. What do we tell people? We share the good news about Jesus. As they, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I get baptized? He said, 
what should I do? And as Philip was talking to him about Jesus, he says, look, there's some water. Why shouldn't I or why can't I get baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water. And he gave his life to Jesus. And Philip baptized him. What should we do? Here's what I know for sure. There was someone praying for me. There was someone sharing with me when I came to faith in Jesus. And there was a day that I came and I said, why can't I get baptized? There's someone in here that you've given your life to Jesus. Or today you're going to give your life to Jesus. And the next thing you're going to say is, why can't I get baptized? That's not because I'm saying that's because the Holy Spirit is working deep down in your heart. And he's bringing you to the good news of Jesus Christ. The fourth way the Holy Spirit brings loving conviction is by leading people to turn to the Savior. Peter's last words were, each of you, you must repent of your sins. Now they said, what should we do? He said, each of you, you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent just means this, walking away, I'm going to turn around and go back. That's all repent. Repent means 180. I'm going this way. I'm going to change my mind, change my direction. I'm going to go back to God. You must repent and turn back to God. And then he says, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we allow him, the Holy Spirit has the power to turn us from a life that is lived independently of God to a life that will be filled with with Jesus if we let him people need to hear this we need to live this amen we need to live that there's there's no other life like the life of Jesus for 22 years 23 years there's no other life there it never gets old my walk with Jesus never gets old there's always goodness because it's good news If it's not good news, what are we doing here? Let's all just go out and get drunk. Let's just go out and just, you know, do, who who cares about doing anything moral? Our conscience will be severed, all these things. But there's something real, amen? There's something real. He said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn. Now, I love this. Each of you. Each of you, no one can do it for you. No one is supposed to do it for you. We can pray for you, we can share with you, but ultimately, it's you allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to lead you to acknowledge that you have a problem, and that problem is that you need God to fix that we all fall short of the glory of God. I had written down right there, we have a sin problem, but sometimes we think, oh, don't speak to us like that. You know, we don't, we don't have a sin problem. Well, we do, but we all fall short Amen. of God's glory. Each of you means, you know, when, he, when the Holy Spirit will lead us to get baptized, we don't get baptized for our salvation, but to identify with Christ and what he's done for us, Bapt- Uh, Baptism does not save you, 
but it identifies you with Christ and what he's done for you. Just like this ring, this ring right here does not make me married. This, this ring right here is on here because I said I do 30 years ago. I do and I did. And this right here tells me every day you did. All right. So baptism is just a, a, an, it just symbolizes what we did when we said, I need you, Jesus, in my life. And we go down into, into the water. The Bible explains this. It says, for we, die, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I, I, I really believe that some people in here... There's a conviction going on about you being baptized, and we love to celebrate your baptism. We love to celebrate your baptism. You can put that on your connection card if you, if you want that to happen. So let me give you some action steps as the praise team comes up. I want for you to choose a nobody-can-do-this-for-me attitude. Nobody can do this for me. Nobody can, nobody can get you saved. You have to say, Lord, I need for you to save me. No one can make, do that for you. Choose a nobody can do this for me attitude and turn your life over to God by following Jesus. This is what, this is what, what God says. He says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of your salvation. You know what I love about following Jesus? Is that all of us are at different places. All of us. But we're all following the Savior. Amen? Some of us are in front. Some of us are in the middle. Some of us are in back. It doesn't matter if you're in the, in the way back going, wait a minute. Wait. We're following Jesus. The second thing Choose a nobody-can-do-this-for-me attitude and get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, take that next step. You can say like the eunuch, why can't I be baptized? Now, here's the thing. If, if you were baptized as a baby, I want you to think logically now. Let's, th not, let's think logically and biblically. Were you, did you go and say, I want to be baptized if you're a baby? No. No, your parents said, you know, I want them to, to be baptized and, I, and I'm, we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to raise them up in the faith and, and we're going to believe for this and that. But the reality is that you didn't, make a, you didn't take a step. You didn't take a, a, a stance or, 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 or your own choice to do that. So biblically, we say, as an adult, as a believer of Christ, I want to be baptized. We love to celebrate your baptism on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Wouldn't that be great? Number three, choose a nobody-can-do-this-for-me attitude and share the love of Jesus with people around you. Acts 2.14 says, Peter stood up, and he was backed by the other 11, and he spoke out with bold urgency. There's an urgency that we should share because people around us, we don't know if tomorrow is promised to anyone. Amen? Can we bow our heads and 
Just go to the Lord in prayer right now. There's an urgency for us to share with people around us because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And because I care so much about you and God cares so much about you, maybe today there's someone in here that you want to open up your heart to God and you want to make a choice to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to pray with me in just a simple prayer. Just, God, I'm, I'm tired of trying to live my life without you. Today I know that I need a Savior and a helper. And I know that this Savior is Jesus Christ. So I open up my heart and my life to him by confessing him as my Lord. And confessing that he died for all of my sins on the cross at Calvary. And I believe he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. So I choose to follow him in the fellowship of the church and to share him with my world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.